generally, unless you're like a half a billion dollar brand, let's say a billion dollar brand, no one thinks about you. Like no one thinks, wow, you know, that was off brand. I'm not shopping there again. You know, I saw this Instagram post and that felt off brand to me. You know, screw this brand. I'm never going back. No, no one thinks that, but like, that's such a common thought among CMOs, brand marketing teams, etc. And I think a lot of times it prevents them from even testing things that could find a lot of efficiencies. I'm Ben Grenell, part of the early startup team here at Levels. We're building tech that helps people to understand their metabolic health, and this is your front row seat to everything we do. This is a whole new level. When it comes to direct-to-consumer companies, that being one like Levels, there are all these different tactics and strategies that you can undertake. Things like landing pages, things like lifecycle marketing, that being email, that being how you reach customers through different channels. And when you talk about building a brand, what are some of the considerations around it? Well, Nick Sharma, very much an expert in direct-to-consumer, host of Limited Supply Podcast, and somebody who's pretty active on Twitter when it comes to direct-to-consumer insights, he and I sat down and we discussed all these different considerations around what it means to build a brand. When should you think about tracking brand metrics? How much brand debt is acceptable? Because brands do evolve and you got to start out at a certain point. Anyway, it's always fun jamming with Nick on these different things. And if there's one thing you do, make sure you go check out Nick and everything he's doing around limited supply and things with his agency, landing pages like hooks. Anyway, no need to wait. Here's where we kick things off. So let's dive into this idea of what does it mean to build a brand? Um, I think there are conversations around like, is a brand a moat? What does a brand do from a community perspective, from an alignment perspective? Like, there, There's all these things we can rationalize, but in general, what does it mean to build a good brand? How do you do it? And when do people overinvest in brand? And when do people underinvest in brand? And what are some of the advantages and disadvantages to both? Yeah, I mean, I think, well, I think what, what is not building a brand is paying a branding agency to put together what your visual identity looks like. I think a lot of people confuse that to be the catalyst for building a brand. And I think it's a great way to launch and, and look nice, but I don't think a lot of branding agencies actually build a brand. I think they, they just kind of help you with design. I think building a brand is a combination. Uh, it's, it's very much like the external shell of your company culture to some extent. I also think that your brand is basically something that gets built over time. You can't launch on day one and have a brand. You usually launch on day one with a product and over time that becomes a brand. And I think it's a combination of consistent content, driving value, and putting out good products. I think actually it's a it's a really interesting shift in content in general. The best type of content that does well now is where the consumer feels a part of it versus feels like a viewer of it. And so the best TikToks are ones where 
Um, you know, this is why like these prank channels on YouTube, I think have always done well. You feel like you're there as, as a part of this prank. And that's why it's a bigger thing. Same with TikToks, right? Story times or like, you know, doing something to, you know, I'm sure you see these trends where it's like the daughter calls the dad and is like, oh, I, I put the gas in at the green handle because the black one was like somebody was using the black one, but it's diesel. And it's like, even though it's, um, it's something funny, you actually feel like you're there, a part of this whole prank. And so we try to tailor the podcast in a similar way, which is like, how do we make somebody feel like they're the third person here on the couch with us versus just viewing, viewing it from the outside in? And the best YouTubers have the same thing, right? Everything they do, it, you feel like you're on this journey with them versus watching them. Um, that's something that like a lot of Hollywood stuff hasn't really grasped yet, but you kind of see it with the newer and the younger shows. They do a better job of it, at least off the screen. Going back to like what makes a brand, I think it's all a part of that, which is it's the feeling that you get when you interact with that, you know, that thing, whether it's a product or whether it's listening to content, it's the emotions that get like instilled in you, whether it's excitement or joy or, you know, fear, whatever it is. And I think it's just consistency. Like if we stopped recording that podcast, it wouldn't be a brand. It would be a podcast with a few episodes. But the more we keep recording it, the more limited supply becomes a brand versus just something that comes out on a Wednesday. Exactly. And the thing with building brands that, that is so hard is I think they can get over-engineered like to your point of, you hire an agency because you think you need to in the beginning. And brands, as you mentioned, are built over time. But the inaccurate heuristic is, and I can't remember, it's been a while since I've looked into them, but iconic logos, we think of all these of all these logos of like, well, that company must have like put a ton of thought into that logo and their branding and all those things. And Moyes highlighted on uh, on limited I think it was probably a couple weeks ago you guys were talking about native. He's like, yo, I just like wrote out the font that was the same as I can't remember which brand it was, but he basically just copied like the font. And it's funny because if you look at very timely Twitter, lots of, lots of good stuff going on. Right. But Twitter's icon, like I can't remember what the purchase price was, but that's an iStock icon or some they, it was like a stock platform icon that was like six bucks. And they're like, well, we're clearly pivoting like yeah. ODO we're pivoting. We, we can scrape together six, but we can't scrape together seven bucks, whatever the price was here. We'll just call it like, here's the bird that is iconic, globally iconic as this thing. And it's like, did, was there a ton of thought into the brand? No, like maybe sometimes things don't line up when you take that scrappy approach. But the whole idea is like, have a great product, find ways to get it out there. And over time, you build this brand and all these touch points. That's, yeah. that's like the interesting thing. I couldn't agree more. I, I mean, I remember even when we launched Judy, the emergency kit brand, for the longest time, the URL was readyjudy.com, which makes not a lot of sense unless you realize it's for emergency preparedness. And it's like, okay, you're preparing with Judy. But then, we, then I found the owner of judy.co convinced him to sell it. This was already after we had launched. And, but the point there is like, we got to an MVP with a 1299 domain and that was good enough to get us launched. Um, and I think that's someplace where a lot of people spend too many resources on early on is how do we make this thing look perfect out the gate? 
versus instead of relying on like the 26 year old hippie who's putting together our brand book and we're going to follow those guidelines. How about we just launch and then let's figure out what people like and what they don't like and adapt to it very quickly. Every single marketer will tell you to AB test everything, you know, use the data to your advantage. Don't just take everything um, at face value. But so many, so many oftentimes we see um, these, you know, 70, 150 page brand books get developed and brands are so scared to deviate away from that because they feel like they spent so much money on it, they might as well use it. But also it's got to be done right if they spent so much money on it. And a lot of times we find that the best learnings come from different approach, which is let's think of our product. Let's say the level's CGM, right? What are the 27 reasons that's going to get somebody to purchase? And then let's craft copy and creative and a lander out of that and then go test all 27 and see which five drive the best acquisition cost for us in the short, short term, but also then in the long term. Um, and you look back, you know, six months or 12 month windows later, and you understand that. But a lot of times it's not the stuff that's going to be written by a branding agency or even written by the founder at the beginning. Like the way that a business is seen day zero versus day seven versus day 370 are completely different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the interesting thing is you can get so frozen on these brand principles when you've got these guidelines like, oh, well, that's, we can do that. That's way off right. brand, right? And there's when you are a startup, like it's testing, it's testing, testing, testing. You throw up, as you said, 27 different landing pages. It's like there's probably going to be some acceptable amount of brand jank that you have to put up with when you get really wide on platforms like we've all got the ability to go to canva or figma we can use some like tool to go create some logo very quickly yeah font, font and like black on white pretty easy there's our logo like you don't need to go deep but over time brands evolve and they develop what do you do if it's like your brand especially when you get into things like voice you get into aesthetics and you find that you put up some landing page that objectively is outside of this like brand Bible, this big brand guidelines thing, but you're like, man, that thing is like converting at like four X, the thing that is on brand. You're going to say, no, like we don't do that. Right. You're going to look at it. You're going to be like, objectively, that thing is crushing. So yeah. let's start to, let's start to like change our approach, but it's so easy to get, especially with tying it into performance marketing stuff. The stuff that's, that's performing right now is all this UGC stuff with like weird thought bubbles, and just like voiceover stuff. So many of those videos are working for people. Well, that like one year ago, five years ago, brands would like tight, tight brands would never do that because they'd be like, we couldn't possibly, we have to hire a studio. They're going to create something that is on brand with nice B-roll and all these things. And you're like, well, it's, it's performing. Like, yeah, use it. So what do you do? Right. You have to sort of lean into these different directions. I also think too, um, Generally, unless you're like a half a billion dollar brand, maybe even a multi-billion, let's say a billion dollar brand, um, no one thinks about you. Like no one thinks, wow, you know, that was off brand. I'm not shopping there again. You know, I saw this Instagram post and that felt off brand to me. You know, screw this brand. I'm never going back. No, no one thinks that. But like, that's such a common thought among uh, CMOs, brand marketing teams, et cetera. And, um, 
And I think a lot of times it prevents them from even testing things that could find a lot of efficiencies. There was, um, I had dinner with a CMO last night of a huge restaurant chain uh, globally. And I told him, you know, I was like, I love when I go to the airport that you guys have two restaurants in the terminal because it's, I always know that among a sea of kind of shitty airport restaurants, I can always rely on going here and getting good food and it's quick and it's fast and I know it's going to be good. And his response was, yeah, you know, we were really hesitant about that because of the brand perception of, you know, we're, we might, um, we're going to be compared to airport food. And I was like, no, that, I think it's quite the opposite. I think you guys have cracked the code. Like you always have lines and nobody can seem to, like everybody wants to go to you. It's, it's more of a convenience thing. In fact, I always think, thank God this brand did this because now I don't have to go eat shitty food before a flight or after a flight. Um, so I think that's another one that kills a lot of stuff. And I remember too, at when I was at Hintwater, there's an influencer we worked with named Sarah Dietschy, who's like a tech mm -hmm. YouTuber, and she's yeah. phenomenal. Her husband is also a YouTuber named John. We sent John, uh, first we sent Sarah a bunch of product, then we sent John a bunch of product, and John opened it like, you know, using like a pocket knife, stabbing into the box, ripping it open, taking it out, cutting the thing open. And uh, I remember I took that clip from YouTube, turned it into a Facebook ad, started running it. Our CPA was about 20 to 30% lower than some of the other stuff we were running. So we just kept it going. And um, we had this new CMO who joined for like, I don't know, I think he lasted like a few weeks. And he was like, what is this? this is terrible. We need to take this down immediately. There's no way that this is doing good for the brand. And I was like, no, this is, <laughs> this is actually our best ad right now. The CPA is the lowest. The click-through rate is the highest. And he's like, what are we doing? We're ruining the brand perception. And I was like, what's your perception of this brand? Like losing money or, you know, growing <laughs> the business with revenue. And, um, and then eventually we took it down because, you know, he has the final call, but, um, that was another one of those moments where I was like, okay, there, there cannot be this battle, which often happens with, between a brand team and a performance team. And, um, you know, there almost has to be this integration of like a performance branding team, which says, okay, how do we drive consumer awareness? How do we drive conversion? How do we drive, um, how do we drive hardworking paid media dollars while building the brand at the same time? And, it doesn't necessarily mean that we, um, you know, not everything, also not everything that's shot in a studio does well. Like there's a bunch of brands that we've worked with. There's some that we currently work with where all they want to put out is this beautiful, you know, $50,000 photo shoot studio stuff. And it never performs because that is just, that does great on a billboard. It doesn't do well on all these channels that brands spend on, which is Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, Pinterest. So if it's not content that feels native to the platform, why are we even arguing about whether it's on-brand or off-brand when we just know that it's not even going to work in the first place? So all that rant to say, you know, I think the biggest flaw is saying that something is not on-brand. Um, in fact, the stuff that is generally considered not to be on-brand or, you know, might look shaky or low-budget is the stuff that will always, mostly always outperform uh, the really nice stuff. And the truth is, if you think as a marketer, 
that you're ruining your brand perception, you're also assuming that somebody is thinking of you after the half a second that they see your ad and you're delusional if you think somebody thinks of you more than just the ad that they see. Mm -hmm. You can get so focused on not being adaptable. Like let's do the big plan campaign and shoot, there's a time and a place. The more prominent your brand from a global perspective, the bigger your company, your Nike, yes, take the time to make sure you're doing things right. It's the stakes are very different, but the reality is what's the user behavior? People are just flying with their fingers on these platforms, scrolling past content. And then they don't notice things the same way. They don't scrutinize this. Like somebody at Casper is looking and they're going, here are all the details. Somebody else is just like, they don't notice the line weight of the icon is different. And someone else is going, oh, we couldn't, we don't use 0.4, we use 0.2. Yeah. And all their icons, you yeah. know, and then you bike shed that stuff and that becomes really, really dangerous. So when, one of the other things that I wonder, highlight was the the idea of brand between consumer and something that might be b2b or enterprise so like let's let's make we have to make the argument like yeah brand is important you should have it shouldn't just be like have the lowest res things like bad quality stuff is bad quality it's more around this idea of cohesion i think that we're both sitting here dummying a bit and going like have like put your best foot forward. Don't worry about like micro details that they're going to erode your brand over time. Right. Because they're constantly changing. They're, they're evolving. But the idea, I think where people sometimes from what I have seen, they make the mistake of assuming that brand matters equally across all different categories. So in consumer, you're very, let's say consumer in a, competitive or saturated space. Your brand does matter a lot different than some B2B space, right? Like Slack didn't have to develop some brand in the early days. They could get away with some like janky, here's the platform. They're not, they're, the expectation is way different. They're not putting out media and content the same way where people are gauging them. But when you're Casper competing against Purple and you're competing against all of these other analogs or warby right same thing you're going well we should focus on brand it's like find that balance but know that if you're in that b2b SaaS space like don't invest the time that casper is in building this brand in the same way like just make sure your product works and get it out there and sell it and that principle applies across any company yeah i think there's two things that i see help a lot of the early stage brands one is like really understand how you're pitching your product. So, you know, if you think of a like four quadrant graph uh, between understanding of your product and understanding, understanding of the product, in this case, let's say mattresses, how much does somebody know about mattresses? And then another axis is understanding of your specific brand. How, how well does somebody know eight sleep versus um, do they not know eight sleep, right? Maybe they don't know about mattresses or eight sleep. And make sure you have kind of a one sentence understanding in each quadrant of how do you pitch your product to somebody who doesn't know the category, doesn't know your brand versus knows the category and your brand versus knows the category, doesn't know your brand or knows your brand, doesn't know the category. Um, because a lot of people tend to pitch their brand in one specific way. And, um, you know, they find that they can't scale a marketing channel or, oh, our ads don't work. And it's really because they don't, they're not speaking to them properly. The other kind of method to, to get to that is 
if let's say you discover eight sleep, um, how should I go? If I'm looking at the eight sleep site, how should I go explain it to my friend who's, uh, who's never heard of the brand and whatever I say should almost be the pitch that eight sleep gives out to their consumers in the first place. Um, but I think those are two things that, that a lot of brands don't do. And, and as a result, you know, like, for example, there's this brand we bought called Long Weekend. And, you know, the, the pitch could be, uh, well, we're plastic-free personal care, but that kind of sucks and it doesn't really do much. Or even like hooks, right? We'll help you build landing pages, which is great, but it doesn't explain, okay, if somebody knows about landing pages, it doesn't explain why you should go to hooks instead. Um, if somebody doesn't know about landing pages, it doesn't also explain why you should go to hooks. And so that I think is one big part that a lot of people don't do. And I think if they just did that and got their one sentence figured out, it would help them tremendously across all their content, whether it's ads, whether it's organic social, whether it's their homepage um, site copy, whether it's their product page copy, their landing page copy. Then another one is like describe your brand as a person. So, so hooks. Um, who is Hooks? All right, let's say Hooks is like, um, you know, Hooks is like Johnny Bravo, right? Nice hair, nice fitted t-shirt on, comes to sit at dinner. He's at your dinner till nine, 10 o'clock. And then he's up at seven to go work out. Like he's that kind of guy, you know, when he goes out on the weekends, he's going to a nice restaurant. Um, but he's always going to bed on time because he cares about his, you know, whatever sleep or, uh, you know, making a workout the next morning. And I think really defining like who your brand is as a person, who the, if, if this was a person, what are their friends like? What kind of food are they eating? What kind of TV are they consuming? What kind of YouTube do they consume? Um, how should we talk about launching a new brand or how do we think about, um, you know, POS copy versus social copy? All that kind of stuff gets really clear after you can figure out if your brand was a person, what would that person be like? Yeah, the copy part of it's interesting because it, is so tightly tied into brand. And we often think about brand as being aesthetics for the most part. But in general, the underinvestment in simple headlines that do give people a lens into like what exactly a company does, like what it is, why you should use it. It's a, you always riff on these things of like what it is, why you should use it, who else is using it, like what's the social proof, like why you shouldn't uh, or why you're better than the other options out there. What's yeah. the cost? What's the timeline? Like these are sort of the nuggets to like hammer that home on a lander so that people go, I get it. I've got the expectation set. I can make the decision. But instead, and I know like YC is great about hammering people on the pitch. It's like, make sure you have your one liner down. Things can get so convoluted in the world of you're trying to explain things to people in a jargony sense. And they're just like, I'm literally lost. Yeah. What, what is what exactly is native? And it's like, oh, it's actually just, it's deodorant. Like, don't worry about it. Yeah. That's it. Like it's, but people like, oh, I wasn't sure. I thought it was like school supplies, right? Because right. if people get so far off of like, what is, it's the only thing that's going to change your lifestyle of like these, this long winded stuff. Yeah. Like, Man, like, don't do that. Don't yeah. change that. <laughs> yeah. Focus on like all those 27 landing pages with different headlines. Say, boom, there it is. Yeah. We, uh, our, our VP of growth at Sharma Brands, her name is Ari and her one liner when we, um, do client kickoffs, she just says, um, my job is to make you as much money as I possibly can. And 
that pretty much sums up her job in a sentence. Uh, but th that to me is like a good example of, you know, how do you take something, vice president of growth, you know, she could say, oh, I, I oversee paid channels and the integration between, you know, what we do from a user experience standpoint to a paid media standpoint, but just simply putting it like, hey, my job is to make you as much money as possible. Um, and anything that falls within that, you can come to me. Makes it so much easier for the other side to to receive it, to understand it, and to to correlate an emotion, usually excitement, directly with it. Exactly, because you're no one's ever gonna use a product if they don't understand what it is. Exactly. Like, what is it? Why should I use it? Those are the simple, simple things. It gets a lot harder when you're creating new categories too. Let's take it back to like Airbnb. You can't be as colloquial as saying like stay in someone else's home and like some some random line it's like you have to sell people on what it is but right. essentially that's what it is it's so literal that people like that's a little weird but i do understand the value prop like what you're building totally your own and there's like that's a whole different conversation two sides in the marketplace and marketing to <laughs> when you have multi-sided marketplace that is a whole different ball game but an interesting conversation totally um, why don't we get into metrics so we're when when thinking about marketing metrics it's really easy to focus on things like conversion attribution attribution being so difficult to measure as it is when you get into omni-channel things but uh there are all of these other things that have to do with brand around things like sentiment analysis and brand lift um you talked about it a little bit as far as how much do people know of eight sleep versus casper do they understand the differences in the product a, like what, when should companies start to care about some of these brand metrics other than the dollars and cents? And what are some of the things that people should actually care about? What I think most brands should care about is like, um, is really around their own metrics. I think, I think uh, one thing about when I worked at Hint, we did, we almost never cared about our brand uh, brand lift or brand awareness penetration. We never cared to look at our competitors either. We were always just so laser focused of, okay, we know what problem we're solving and how do we just get more people to understand what we're solving for versus, oh shit, LaCroix just did this campaign. Their brand lift is up you know, to 22%. We're stuck at 14%. Uh, you know, what's our plan to combat this? And we have a client as well that that does a, a lot of this, like analyzing um, brand lift or brand awareness or brand pen penetration in their category. And I, for the most part, I almost just see it as a distraction. Um, unless you're like Crocs or Bacardi, multi-multi-billion dollar companies, I don't think it's worth your time to spend time analyzing competitors. Sure, you could look at competitors to see, for example, we have an apparel brand. A lot of their competitors started Black Friday early. That's a great insight for us because that means we need to quickly change what the plans that we had were. We didn't under we didn't see most competitors were going to launch Black Friday this far early, or that they were going to discount so steeply. But looking into brand lift or oh, how much social engagement is our competitor getting versus us? To me, it seems like um, you know just like a waste of time versus. Uh, I always like the mindset of how do you just get 1% better? So if our, if our conversion rate's 4%, okay, well, what do we got to do to get it to 5%? If we're getting, you know, on social media, we're getting a 2% engagement 
on Instagram. Okay, well, what do we have to do to get it to two and a half or three percent? Versus, uh, damn, you know, native is at three percent and we're at 0.5 percent. Let's put together another deck to figure out how we're going to get there. So I think the brand stuff is kind of here nor there. I think like brand lift stuff too is also kind of here nor there. You also have to understand like how those tests are conducted, uh, who those people are. Like there's so many variables into how those can be completely skewed. I'm sure everybody who's listening to this has come across an ad on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, which is just a quick poll or even YouTube as a pre-roll ad, they'll run it. And it's a poll to get, oh, have you heard of Levi's? Uh, what other brands would you buy instead of Levi's? And it's like just silly questions because you might be like, no, I just want to click whatever to hit next and get to my video. You know, they're also skewed, but nobody talks about that stuff. So I think that stuff is is kind of useless. I think the stuff that is useful is, well, what, what drives uh, dark social? Dark social is basically copy pasting links into group chats taking a message and sending it a, or taking a post and sending it as a DM to a chat or to somebody else. You know, what are we doing to get people talking about us versus just what is our brand penetration or brand lift? And I think um, for smaller brands, especially, I think that's their, that's almost like an advantage, right? Cause like if you go to a larger brand, you have more of a seasoned CMO or seasoned uh, whatever. And, and that's the type of stuff they focus on. They're not focused on, okay, how do we light up TikTok in a way that our competitors can't? Uh, or, or what can we do on, on um, you know, can we drop a thread on sustainability on Twitter from our brand account that no other competitor is doing because they don't even think of this kind of stuff? Um, I think the advantage is, is like, how can you do things to move faster and, and almost just break things like the Facebook model? But I think a lot of the metrics otherwise, like I think your main metric should de generally be conversion rate on your site, Revenue CPA, ROAS, you know, retention rate, LTV, and then off outside of e-commerce stuff, I think it's like, well, how many people who see our brand, how many people engage with it? Um, the people that engage with it, are we even engaging with the right audience? Like, uh, there's a great example of you know when Victoria's Secret started running programmatic ads, they they told their agency, uh, you know, we we're going to start running these ads. They start running these ads and it's like, oh, we're not getting any clicks. We're not getting any view through conversions. What's going on here? And then the agency said, you're right. We're going to, we're going to figure out how to optimize for clicks. So they changed the campaign setup. All of a sudden clicks went through the roof, you know, 13, 14% click through rate, but for some reason, no purchases. And it's, it's like, oh, they just optimized to show Victoria's Secret ads to guys. And so guys were just clicking on, on these women, but like they weren't going to buy the product. And so, so all that to say, I think a lot of the metrics are kind of like useless. They don't really lead to conclusions. They don't, um, you, you know, unless you understand the full process of how that metric was created, um, it's just another metric that's going to lead to another deck maybe, but not necessarily like a conclusive result. Um, I feel like Moise and I are always on this path of, Everything should just come back to revenue. If it's not generating revenue or excitement or FOMO or um, or that type of stuff, like it's really not building brand at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's very interesting because you get you get this like brand debt or this legacy, this especially with like legacy companies, this legacy way of thinking where you have to quantify what you're doing to rationalize that you should keep doing it. And so you do all of these things saying like, hey, we put out whatever, you put out some piece of media, 
I'm like, look, there's more awareness when we when we survey people, there's more awareness of like brand X, Y, and Z. Right. Conclusion, we're doing great, right? Meanwhile, it's like you could have invested that time in, as you said, testing some piece of content on some long tail platform and saying, cool, what happened, right? Right. We Did we reach a new audience? We're, what What are people saying? Like things that you cannot quantify maybe there's only 20 comments and like to, that doesn't really matter. But in those 20 comments, there's some nuggets and you're like, man, like if we, if we look at this from a qualitative perspective, like pretty interesting. Hey, you yeah. guys should be like, here's like four people say product extension. Like I'd love to see whatever it is. And you're like, man, like we didn't even think about that. That sounds like a new category we should explore. These are all the insights that you have to take. And you hear this, especially with YouTubers are gold at this, where great YouTubers will mine the comments. They don't even, I mean, you can look at vanity metrics. You have to look at certain things, like, especially when you're going, what is, what's the impression to click through rate? Like they want, people want to understand the engagement to know, because that's how the algo is going to ride that piece of content. Like that does matter. But in general, it's like, what's happening in the comment section? What are people wanting to see next? And that's totally coming up with these new ideas. And the same thing goes for products. Like if somebody says 10 times out of 10, hey, you should have this product and you're not currently offering it. Like you can't turn a blind eye to that insight and go, well, the video had 100 views on it. You know, yeah. like that's your data. Let's jump into email, landing pages, content creation. But what in your eyes are the most underutilized tools, right? Maybe not tooling, but tactics, the tools that people can use at their fingertips that they're not to actually reach more bottom funnel things, things like conversions, better retention, better LTV. What 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 do you look at as far as like underutilized tools? Um, there's three that come to mind right away. Actually, maybe four if you're a high spending brand. High spending meaning like you're spending at least 100K a month on paid media. Um, one is like an in-house content creator that can, you know, not only help you manage social, but also create content on the fly. So whether that is for an ad, quickly taking a photo, creating a video, or just like organic TikTok channel, having somebody in-house who can create content pretty quickly and put it out and put out maybe a few pieces of content or, you know, test different angles for products or messaging. I think that's one. Another one is is optimizing the cart. So a lot of brands don't optimize their cart. That's like one place they don't tend to tend to uh, innovate on with their site. And um, having a cart that has you know gamification to get you toward whether it's a free shipping or a free gift, uh, you know, to the next AOV level. Also, then taking you know a one time buying product and getting somebody to turn it into subscription or upselling more products within the cart to increase AOV. Um, all that can happen within a cart. We tend to use um, this one called Rebuy, which is like you just plug it in and pretty quickly you can add stuff to it. That's another easy one. Third easy one is optimizing the email pop-up. So a lot of brands will launch with an email capture and then they'll kind of just like keep it. They're not gonna go test it, but testing that, you know, I think for one brand, um, we tested it probably like over 20 times and we ended up getting to about a 7% email conversion rate, which is killer. It's very possible. And, and it just kind of follows that model of, okay, how do we get it 1% better now? You know, we got to 5%. Okay, well, how do we get to six? It's not impossible. 
but it's definitely it's definitely hard and it requires testing. And then the last one is landing pages. So right now, people who run ads to a product page or they run it to their homepage um, or maybe to a collections page, you're basically telling a consumer, you know, hey, you got to keep clicking around. Or if you go to a product page, you might be at the product page, but it's like, now I'm just at a page that's selling me a product. I'm not getting introduced to it or walking this red carpet where I'm getting told about what the product is and how it's going to benefit me. And so we've seen a lot of times that brands that have a, you know, two to 3% conversion rate on their site are getting to like seven to 10% with a, with a really good landing page that kind of walks them through a pretty specific problem and solution and benefit from the product and also educates them along the whole way, you know, back to what you were saying earlier, it talks about what is the product? Why does it exist? Why is this the best one on the market? How do I get it? And, um, and so I think, I mean, I think if anything, like if you're spending any money on paid social landing pages is a no brainer, just because, um, like, why would you not try to get a three times higher conversion rate or two times higher conversion rate from a pretty small investment? And you don't have to use uh, hooks or other agencies. You could, you could go to Shopify's app store and go find a, a page builder and just put them together. Uh, you want to educate them and, and teach them and, and instead of focusing on, okay, well, if we want to get our CPA better, we have to drop our price 20%. Well, how about you take that 20% margin, you know, educate somebody up to where they say, oh, I should pay full price for this versus discounting. Um, and that's something that landing pages help you do. But yeah, I think those, those four are probably four pretty easy ones that most people can do without spending really a bunch of money at all. Yeah, if you don't send people to a landing page, you're it's it's a very weird experience. You rent you run some <laughs> you run some piece of creative and the CTA drives people to assume it drives people to basically like a checkout page. They're in the flow. And it's like, yeah, that's the lowest friction thing, but people are going to be like that's weird. I, like the <laughs> yeah. outside of the house does not look like the inside of the house. Like it's just such a jarring experience. And so then everyone's like, man, I can't understand why there's such a high bounce on this. Well, yeah. there's a high bounce because run like the ideal scenario. And this is back to having like the right brand touch points, like capital B brand versus just cohesion of a brand is like yeah. you're running some, the ideal world is you're running some piece of creative and that matches where people end up for a landing page where feels complimentary and it's like oh i'm not being tricked right so your your athletic greens your levels your whatever it is your some brand you've got some piece of content that's, that's running shows a product people understand the value prop they get there and there's a rendering of the product again as opposed to some convoluted thing of like people land on some great lifestyle looking site and everyone's like what i don't understand like nick's lifting weights like there's some guy just lifting weights and you're like it's so disconnected than the like cup pouring the green, like the green liquid that you just saw there. And you go, is this the same thing? And then you're like, ah, yeah. command W I'm out. Like, right. Yeah. Later. The, the consistency. It's funny. That's like one thing that is, that is um, not it, like when we say it, it's so obvious, but uh, it's something that in practice is very rare where you click an ad and the, the matching product is what, what's on the next screen. Um, because I think, just having been on the Facebook side too, the thought is like, all right, well, new landing page, let's just take our best performing creative 
And that way we isolate the testing variable to be the page itself. Uh, cause we already know that the creative works, but yeah, the, the consistency is, is a big thing that a lot of marketers don't tend to catch. I don't catch it a lot of times too, or not a lot of times, but I, there's been a few times where I'll completely miss it. And, um, and then, you know, later you go over it and you're like, wait, how, how does this, this doesn't even make sense. Of course it didn't work. We were showing, um, you know, this girl wearing this beautiful jacket or sweater, and we ended up on a page selling jeans. Uh, so of course that doesn't make any sense. Have you ever tested, I'm so curious about this, riffing on the idea. Have you ever tested anything given performance right now and how UGC is really ripping for a lot of people in the DTC space, but anything where it was like UGC was running as the the creative and the landing page was basically that same person, but maybe it's like put together properly, not maybe not some weird quote and they're smiling where it feels jarring, but like some continuation of something that feels UGC. Have, yeah. have you seen that happen? Yeah, yeah. We do that a lot for influencers where if we run an ad using their handle and their image or video, they'll be, you know, kind of featured all over the lander. Uh, or it's like, you know, if, if, if it's like, um, you know, uh, like Jess is the name of the influencer. It's like, this is Jess's, Jess's favorites is like the bundle that they're buying or, you know, shop Jess's favorites, but it's really just like bestsellers. Um, that's one way to do it. The other way is we have actually have done some lander tests where we'll take UGC, drive to the lander, but then the lander is almost just full of UGC. So other very similar UGC. Yeah, yeah you know, Instagram story clips that will host on, on like Vimeo and put on the landing page. Um, and those do really, really well, especially for a younger demo and especially yeah. on TikTok traffic. Man, that's so, so neat because the, like the influencer one is pretty understandable where it's like, yeah, then that, I mean, we've got like levels.link slash Tim. It's like, yeah, there's Ferris and like, we, but we're not running creative where it's like Tim is doing something. You land on Tim. We've got some stuff with Mark Hyman like that, but the idea of like Billy McGee, right? Just some rando. And that's actually one of my best friends. <laughs> for real? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's, that, that's the fictional name that I use for any rando. But so Billy McGee is like the UGC and then you land and there's like Billy and maybe some of Billy's friends. Like that is an interesting thing because it's kind of disconnected. You forget as long as there's still that trust of like, I do trust this is athletic greens, but you're building this new type of trust where it's like, these are people that seem real. Cause I think sometimes there is, there's always going to be trust with like levels.link slash Tim, but people know that influencers are getting paid to do this thing. So maybe the trust is like, well, if Tim trusts it, I do trust it, but you might trust these random people almost like it's a lot of results of just these like normal looking people using this thing and they seem to like it. And it doesn't feel manufactured with like get hint water today. It's like, yeah. oh man, like I used to actually not drink water. It was a big problem. And then all of a sudden I started drinking hint and like, I mean, that's liquid death. That is literally, that's how they've yeah, built their, their entire marketing strategy is UGC. Um, but I would say when we build, so when we build a landing page, we often think about a couple things. One is what is the source of traffic? So which page channel is this coming from? Because that dictates what the UX of the page needs to look like or how it needs to flow. The second thing we look at is what is the intent uh, of this traffic? So is this prospecting traffic? Is this retargeting traffic? Is this lapsed subscribers traffic? 
because um, that'll also dictate then how we speak about the product. And then the last thing we look at is what's the demographic? What's the really just the age of this traffic? So is it, you know, older? Is it millennials? Is it Gen Z? Is it, um, well, yeah, we don't really advertise younger than Gen Z, but depending on that for the last point, like, you know, we might say our brag bar or like the social proof area of the page, it might be New York Times, Town and Country, and Architectural Digest or Reader Magazine, if it's an older demo. If it's a younger demo, it might be Pop Sugar, Refinery29, BuzzFeed, you know, quotes from those places. And then if it's really young, we almost don't even put any of those press logos because they're kind of useless and irrelevant to Gen Z. They want to know like, uh, you know, what, what did just people say? What, what were reviews, like genuine reviews? And ideally, you're showcasing reviews that also speak to the benefits that correlate back to the traffic that's coming into the page. Yeah, that's so interesting. Bring this one home here. Where do you think companies, given today's landscape, are leaving the most money on the table? I mean, I still think landing pages is like the easiest win. Um, I think another one is probably not testing enough. Um, like thinking you're above testing things that don't feel quote unquote on brand is another easy one. Um, and the last one I would say, if brand, if you're, if you're a brand, you're not already doing UGC or, or have tested UGC and genuine UGC, not like paying these people on Twitter, you know, 50 bucks cause they call themselves a UGC creator, but like actually working with customers or finding customers who are down to record videos for you or send you videos. Um, that's a huge one that I think uh, is underrated. Yeah, because the thing is, if you flow product, like right. people are very down and they feel that that's where like back to the the whole idea of people feeling bought into brands, right? Movements, communities, they feel very part of it. If you reach out, like you specifically reach out to somebody, let's say with, it doesn't matter with any brand, but you reach out from limited, let's say that being a brand, right? Yeah. Hey, I wanted to get your feedback on this. Like, I'll give you a shout out on like next week's episode. 100%. Right? Long weekend, same thing. It's like, hey, by the way, people, man, Nick's reaching out to me right now. Like, right. this is crazy. They're going to do it because they're already invested in you. Totally. What are your uh, takeaways here, your closers? My takeaways would be um, don't get romantic about how your brand is perceived. Do a bunch of testing and learning and ask customers you know why they came to you or why they didn't even buy like i think one underrated thing is asking people why they didn't buy if they if they're trying to leave or if they have left and those answers are also super super valuable <laughs>